Hello, I'm Paul Comfort, and welcome to another episode of Transit Unplugged. This is one of our quarterly special episodes where we focus on innovations in our industry. And today, I'm excited to bring you three leading guests in the industry focused on alternative fuels being used in our buses. Our first guest is none other than Ryan Popple, CEO of Proterra, one of the leading manufacturers of electric buses in North America. He talks about how electric buses are extending their range with better batteries and how many agencies now have gone beyond just ordering their initial order of pilot buses to try this out to now planning for entire depots and yards made for electric buses. Our second guest is my good friend Lauren Skyver, CEO of Sunline Transit in Coachella Valley, California. She is one of the leaders in hydrogen fuels and recently built an actual hydrogen plant where they're stripping H2O molecules down to just allow hydrogen. They're creating hydrogen and selling hydrogen back into the market. I actually got a chance to tour the hydrogen plant while I was there before it went online fully. She's going to talk about how hydrogen works and how it is a good tool for people to use in their fleet mix for alternative fuels. And finally, our guest is Gary Thomas, CEO of Dallas Dart. I recently visited him in Dallas. He told me that most of his fleet now has gone to CNG, compressed natural gas, as have many fleets across Texas, California, Canada, and other places in the country. We'll talk about why CNG works well for him. And you can take a look down at all three and compare them as you analyze what is the right mix for your fleet for the right type of propulsion, electric, hydrogen, CNG, or the traditional clean diesel that many systems still utilize. All that on this special quarterly edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and today I'm excited to bring you one of our quarterly specials on innovation. Today's episode is all about electrification of vehicles and, and the new push, not only in America, but across the world, to take better care of our environment by ensuring that the vehicles that we're using in public transit are, are green, so to speak. And I'm excited to have with me Ryan Popple, who is CEO of Proterra. And Proterra is one of the leading manufacturers of electric buses. Thanks so much for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're, we're today in New York City at the APTA Annual Conference, and uh, Ryan has a great presence here with his company. Ryan, tell us a little about yourself and your background and how you got into this position. Sure. So my um, entry into the electric transit industry was initially through the electric vehicle industry. Okay. So I was an early employee at Tesla Motors. I started there in 2007 and uh, was probably one of the first couple hundred employees before the company had even shipped its first car. Wow. So that was my, um, that was my first introduction into electric vehicles. And I got to see Tesla scale through initial production and really start making the electric vehicle category on the car side into a into a real market. Before that, electric cars very much had been a niche. And my interest in joining Tesla was really driven by my desire to work on alternative fuel strategies to the conventional fossil fuels that we use. And part of that is driven by the fact that I, I spent some time in the military and spent some time overseas and really came away from that thinking a lot more deeply about how dependent we are on a commodity that we don't have a lot of control over. Mm. And then as 
I spent more time thinking about the energy security aspect of it. You also start understanding more of the environmental implications. And, uh, you know, I'd say 10 years ago, there was some level of awareness and um, focus on environmental sustainability. But I think if you fast forward to today and you especially look at the up and coming generations that are entering the workforce, the, the concern about the environmental sustainability of what we do in everyday industry is at just an all-time high. And I, I don't think it's going away given kind of what we're seeing around us. So worked at Tesla and then worked at an investment firm that was focused on sustainable investments like things like EV charging and solar mm. and wind. One of their investments was Proterra. And in 2014, they put me in as the CEO to help the company start scaling its revenue and really start growing. So tell us about your company, Proterran, like what you do, what your footprint is, what your vision is, that kind of thing. Yeah, so our vision is to ensure that electric vehicle technology can enter the U.S. transit market, the North American transit market, as quickly as possible, that the transit market doesn't get in some ways left behind by other vehicle markets that are that are rapidly adopting EV. So we're, we're focused on bringing world-class EV designs and technology to the mass transit market. We have also found that the technology that we've developed, especially around the battery system, high voltage systems and charging hardware, is being, it creates an opportunity to help adjacent sectors that are similar to transit on their journey to electrification. So we are working with Thomas Built Bus out of North Carolina on electric school buses. We're working with Von Huhl out of Belgium on electric coaches. We're working with Alexander Dennis on electric double-decker buses for the U.S. market. So we very much believe that the future of urban depot-based vehicles is all electric, but we know there's a tremendous amount of design and support and service and refinement that has to go into this in order to make it work. And in terms of what we do as a company, we we do whatever it takes from an innovation perspective to make this vision a reality. So we, we build buses and we build them in Greenville, South Carolina and in the city of industry in LA County. We produce battery modules and packs in the Bay Area with a uh, world-class battery facility and battery team. And we also develop charging infrastructure that's specific for heavy-duty fleets. And we have a service team that is capable of installing, designing, commissioning fleet charging systems. So depending on the partner we're working with, we can be a turnkey partner or we can just provide part of the solution. That's great. So one of the, as you know, I used to be CEO of a transit system, and one of the concerns we had several years ago is, okay, so how far can this bus go? You know, am I going to have some kind of charging system at the end of the line? Is that going to help the bus? Tell us about kind of the concerns you're hearing in the industry, the challenges. You said you want to get into the market as fast as possible, and what's being done about that? Well, range a couple years ago, I think, was the, the number one constraint or limitation to electric bus deployment. And if you looked at what products were able to do just a few years ago, you could understand why. They, they pretty much were constrained to short-range circulator routes. But the battery technology that's available to this market and to the EV car market as well, EV trucks, has improved dramatically over the last five years, both in performance and in cost. 
So for Proterra, our maximum range probably five years ago was 30 to 50 miles on a charge. So you had to have an on-route fast charger somewhere along that route. It's improved today where we're seeing real-world operating ranges of 150, 200 miles on a single charge, and we see it continuing to improve. One of the misconceptions that I think the industry has is that the way to solve this problem and get to a range that covers every single route in a city is to keep adding batteries to a vehicle. What I think that ignores is the fact that efficiency on the vehicle side keeps improving as well. And so there's as much range to be gained by efficiency improvements as there is from battery improvements. So Hmm. we are working on both of those vectors in terms of improving range. There's a really powerful synergy in that the, the larger the energy storage system, the more miles of extra range you get per point of efficiency. And then we're also working on fast charge systems and um, depot charging systems just to make sure that you can get that energy back in that vehicle as conveniently as possible. The whole industry, you you mentioned you work for Tesla, so you have all these other companies that are entering to the car market, but the bus market is kind of, aren't you guys kind of leading the way on the electrification side of things? In the North American market, I think if you if you look at the numbers, we can safely say that we've led the way on the number of customers, number of deployments, and real-world revenue service miles. Mm-hmm. And I think we've been able to do that through focusing on this geography and not spreading ourselves too thin in terms of other vehicle categories. So when, when we look at opportunities to electrify other depot-based vehicles, we consciously made the decision that we were going to stay focused as an OEM for the North American transit market and we would be a supplier and a partner to adjacent markets. But we did not want to bite off more than we could chew in terms of trying to enter other depot markets as quickly as we could. And I think that's resulted in probably the fastest product improvement cycle within the industry. And that's the reason we are where we are today. We, We just announced our 100th customer. And I think the industry has grown accustomed to the fact that Proterra will typically be at the cutting edge of what is possible for an electric vehicle in the North American transit market. And that's largely translated to what's possible globally. We still hold the world record for the longest range EV drive on a single charge on a test track. And we've held it now for over two years. How long was that? Do you remember? 1,100 miles on one charge. Wow. It was an R&D level vehicle, but it outperformed cars. So it wasn't longest range (laughs) bus, it was longest range electric, anything with wheels. So tell me about um, hybrid vehicles versus electric. I know that I used to have some hybrid buses, which were, I guess, some diesel and some battery. Uh, Do you all work in that market or tell me about that market itself and how that's different from what's really happening now. They're kind of moving away from that, aren't they? I think so. And as we've met with transit agencies, one of the things we've learned is that the efficiency gain that they thought they were going to get from hybrid didn't quite materialize. Okay. And their maintenance costs tended to be more than they had planned. And that was partly driven by the fact that they had two propulsion systems to maintain. Right. Now, I do think we're seeing electric rapidly take share from the hybrid market. And I think that that makes sense because electric is closing in on the price point of a hybrid. The other reason I think it makes sense is it, it, it gets to a completely zero emission solution And while a hybrid is a step in the right direction, there are a lot of diesel hybrids out there that are only getting five or six miles per gallon. And what do you guys get? 
Uh, it's not by gallon, I know, but yeah. 15 to 25 energy equivalent. Okay, all right. I think for the public, the issue with a, a diesel hybrid is other than the fact that it says diesel hybrid on the side of it, they still see a tailpipe, yeah. they still smell diesel, Right. They, they still feel like the diesel load is pretty heavy. Now, on the plus side, I think what, what has been very positive about the hybrid bus market is it has helped with one of the major challenges in the industry right now, which is workforce development and training mm. around battery electric buses. So if you went down the hybrid route, you got safety training for your mechanics and you got comfortable with a high voltage system. Oh, yeah. You learned about inverters and motors. So I, I credit the hybrid electric category with helping to create or start a bridge to fully electric. One of the cool things we liked about our hybrid buses was that in the morning they could idle quietly in the in the yard. And we had an area in Baltimore where there was concern about the neighbors, about a hundred buses out there rumbling in the morning waiting to go. That's like a, something you wouldn't think about normally. Tell us about what are the other benefits of using electric. Uh, you've talked about you know kind of getting off of foreign oil, which is obviously one, and there's obviously environmental benefits. But are there other benefits to kind of switching your fleet? from traditional fuels to these alternate fuels like electric? Absolutely, and I think electric technology should be part of the strategy of every transit agency in terms of updating, modernizing, and really winning mind share for transit. Transit has always been sustainable. You take a lot of cars off the road, right. and on a per passenger basis, you are lowering fossil fuel consumption. but perception of a, a truck-sized engine to the general public, it conveys the fact that transit is using a lot of fossil fuels and there's never been higher concern around fossil fuels. So in some ways, I think zero emission vehicles, they close that loop and they make the argument to use transit and the advocacy for transit, it just makes it a perfect sell in that you you have a lot of riders out there who may not have a car, or if they have a car, they can't afford an electric vehicle because they're at a price premium. But they could take transit, and if transit is zero emission and green, it's it's just another added benefit. The other thing I'd say is from a from a driver perspective, there's no personnel exposure to fossil fuels. There's a oh, yeah. smoothness to the vehicles. Yes, I've noticed that too, yeah. Yeah, so what we would love to achieve in the long run is almost an electric light rail experience, oh, yeah. but with the capital efficiency and the flexibility of buses. So the fact that an electric bus doesn't have to bang through 10 gears. Right. If you sit the way back of a bus and it's got that rear-mounted AC unit running and a big diesel or CNG yeah. engine running, yeah. you can't have a conversation no. like this. No. Whereas an electric bus, it's a quieter, smoother conversation. So I think it's a more compelling vehicle to offer to the public. I think so too. Last question would be adoption trends. What I've noticed is a lot of people who are using you know, the traditional diesel fleet will say, let's try a pilot. Is that what you're seeing? Is that how people are kind of getting into this? Let's try 10 vehicles and compare the efficiencies, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I, everyone is at their own stage of their journey. Yeah. A lot of them have defined the end state. So I think one of the really interesting questions right now is, is we as an industry know what this looks like in 2030. You look at the number of cities, states around the world who yeah. are saying, we're gonna be fully electric or zero emission by 2030. And now, how do you operationalize that? Most agencies start with a pilot that's an appropriate size for their overall fleet. Right. So a big agency is going to do a bigger pilot. Small agency is yeah. going to do a small pilot. 
and then they start moving on from there. But we've also seen the size of initial orders go up. Okay. Um, Miami just um, announced a project with us for 33 vehicles and 75 chargers as the first foray. Okay. So the pilots are starting to have enough size that they could be part of a subsequent scale deployment. Yeah. But that's the next chapter in this story is what, what does a depot look like with 200 battery electric buses in it? And I think when that deployment is executed, I think that the implementation is going to accelerate even faster than it has happened to date. That really, I think what everyone's looking to see for the medium and larger size agencies is what does an entire yard look like? Yeah. And we're hard at work on that solution. And we envision the incorporation of solar stationary storage so that the future of transit could be completely green, well to wheel, and also independent. That's awesome. Well, listen, Ryan Popple, CEO of Proterra, thanks so much for being with us today and kind of sharing where we're at as an industry as we move into this new phase of electrification of vehicles, which I think is the general trend across the industry. Thanks so much for being with us and continued best luck of you with all the great things you guys are doing. Thank you, Paul. We're excited to move on now in our innovation podcast here on Transit Unplugged as we talk about alternative fuels that are being used in our fleets across America and across the world. And today I'm with Lauren Skyver, as I mentioned, in her office in Coachella Valley, California. It's a beautiful day here today. We just met with her staff. And Lauren is one of the leaders when it comes to alternative fuels. Her fleet here, tell us about your fleet in general to start with, Lauren, and then we'll go into a little bit about hydrogen, CNG, electric, those kind of things. Well, Sunline runs multiple platforms. We have the bulk of our fleet in CNG. 16 buses, hydrogen fuel cell, and four all-battery electric buses. Okay. We believe that a mixed propulsion fleet is really the wave of the future. There's high benefits in CNG use, and most properties in California have seen those benefits in cost, in range, and reliability and durability. We are seeing that in hydrogen as well. I think that when you think about the differences between hydrogen and CNG, both gaseous fuels, both stored and compressed, cost different, but fuel economy and range, meaning the number of miles we get to the gas gallon equivalent is definitely higher. Mm. So you get about 2.33 miles per GGE of CNG, we get seven to nine in our hydrogen buses. And so the difference delta in the cost between a kilogram of hydrogen and CNG evens out more, but still is a little higher than CNG operation. Okay. Now, I was just touring your operation today, and they took me out to a brand new facility. I think that's not even fully operational yet. What are you doing there? Well, Sunline will be operating the largest electrolyzer for transportation in the United States and actually in the world right now, though several countries are looking to put in large electrolyzers, France being one. And what does that mean? What is an electrolyzer? An electrolyzer is the process used to create hydrogen. So it's an electromagnetic process that takes water, strips out the H2 from H2O, and then we compress and clean that hydrogen and fuel our buses with it. That is amazing. So there are two ways, main ways to make hydrogen. One is reformation. One is with electrolysis. We actually do both on this property. Wow. Are you already doing it? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. We've been so. doing reformation for about yeah. 12 years, That's right. and now our electrolyzer. This is the new one. This is the new one. The new process where you're going to strip the molecule, yes. break the molecule part. You're creating, you're not creating an atom bomb, are you? No, we're not. <laughs> okay. But we're using those hydrogen molecules to then power our fleet. That's amazing. It is. And then um, you're going to sell it, right? And we hope to uh, sell it to the 
heavy duty industry, which must like us in transit in California, conform to going zero emission. We hope to sell that like we do CNG. We sell about a million GGEs of uh, CNG every year. Okay. And we hope to sell just as much hydrogen at some point. You're selling CNG gas. Are you? How, yes. are you, how are you doing that? We have a public station attached to our facility. Refuse trucks, over-the-road trucks, routinely use our station, and like we a use, credit card. They come yes, in and just buy. Yes, we have Voyager wow. credit cards here. Um, we have a very competitive price, which incentivizes people to use our station. And then we take that revenue and provide more transit service with it. I would tell any transit agency that is doing anything in its property that has a usable fuel to look at a public station. It's a great way to raise revenue. That's awesome. Tell me about the rules in California that are coming, because California is kind of leading America when it comes to emissions controls. Is there a zero emission standard coming to California? There already has been the innovative clean transportation rule passed, okay. and so it is in law. It requires all heavy-duty transit operators to be zero emission by 2040. Small and rural have a, a less stringent cycle of replacement, but it really requires that we all start replacing our buses with ZEB vehicles. Um, zero emission zero buses. Zero emission okay. buses. Right. And, you know, I always say if you've seen one transit agency, you've only seen one transit agency. And many people have said this, um, so I don't coin the phrase, but we're all going to have to operate and deploy and plan differently. Every transit agency has different funding cycles, different challenges, different consumer base, boards. And so we're going to have to lean on each other for how we actually do this successfully. And that's gonna be to talk to each other, to visit, Mm -hmm. to know what worked, and more importantly, what didn't go well in deployments in order for us to conform to the rule. And you're kind of helping to facilitate those conversations and that training now, right? Tell us about what you're doing that's helping the whole industry. Well, we started a user group called the Zero Emission Bus Resource Alliance, and several other thought leaders in the transit space helped with this group. But we have a membership now, a membership organization that's all focused on transit operators only, so OEMs cannot join, nor can funders. And we work on deployments, understanding the technology, understanding what's really not working and what is in a safe environment where we can talk about the performance of these vehicles without the influence of the OEMs who build them or sell them. We also are building the West Coast Center of Excellence, and that's going to be all focused on training for technicians. Our maintenance personnel are no longer mechanics. We call ours technology technicians because that's what they do. And we need to start recognizing that that is what they do and not be so afraid of what the union might say in other aspects of of that phrase. Really, these folks are highly intelligent, highly capable, and need to be highly educated on how to work on these technologies for our fleets to remain productive and for us to be able to get the maximum benefit we are from ZEBs that we're purchasing. Now, in our first interview, I interviewed uh, the head of Proterra Electric Buses, and he talked about how the electric buses are so much easier to maintain than traditional diesel buses because they don't have that internal combustion engine and all those moving parts. So you've got a fleet of three different types of what you call propulsion, right? Right. So do you have to have three sets of mechanics, or do you train all of them on all three? Or tell tell us about how that works. No, we train them on all three of those propulsion systems, and I think that not specializing is a benefit for Sunline. Again, I speak as Sunline as being one transit agency. Um, Each leader out there and maintenance director needs to think about how their mechanics or technicians work best. 
But by having them all trained in the cross disciplines of these propulsion systems means that the work can get done, the vehicles can get in, get serviced, and get back out on the road as quickly as possible. I would agree that the electric drive has a lot less moving parts. I think our technicians and especially our operators really appreciate the quietness, the productivity, and the way that these vehicles operate. Our customers are appreciative that we are not being risk averse, but we're looking out to the best that we can bring to the Valley. And they appreciate what we're doing in the environment and with air quality. And so making sure that your agency is prepared, that you've decided what works best for you. Is it electric? Is it BYD? Is it Proterra? There are many choices. I think that transit agencies need to start educating themselves on what's the best fit for them. And then ensuring that they take this process along with the OEM and work with the OEM instead of just picking up the phone every time there's a problem. Understand this technology and what you bought. It solves 99% of those calls to the OEM on why that bus is not performing. That's good. And, and then finally, let's take a look to the future. So as we're talking now in the last quarter of 2019, there's rolling blackouts of electric power across California due to fires. And so you're making plans to kind of future-proof your fleet by doing what? We are looking to take all of our solar energy and store it as hydrogen. Hydrogen is a unique molecule. It can be liquid, it can be gas, it can be electricity, and it can be moved within those phases back and forth. So it's highly versatile. And as we all know, electricity cannot be stored unless you have C containers of batteries on your property. And then there's a whole disposal and cost to battery storage as well. Not that we don't believe in battery storage, but we believe that we're gonna have to be open to multiple ways to prepare ourselves. By turning our excess solar that we can't use during the day into hydrogen, we then can turn it into electricity and have it ready to man our stations, to man our pumping station for our vehicles and to operate even if we can't turn the light switch on from our municipal power company. Are you a chemist? No, I'm not, but I want to be. I'll tell you, I am so inspired by Sunline and what they're doing, not only to be a great bus service, I mean, 4.3 million riders with 81 buses, that's no short use when we're moving people. And so not only do they passionately move the customers, this agency is really focused on the environment and on the fact that these technologies work. And I have chemists here who may not have PhD after their name, but I'd put them up against any other PhD to talk about a hydrogen molecule and what the benefits are and what the future is for this fuel type. We've had more transit agencies in California come to see us about our program because I think transit is starting to realize that instead of our old way of doing business where we ran the same bus, the same type of bus. We couldn't get anything different. It all had to be the same glider, the same propulsion system. We're starting to realize that we're going to have to be a little more entrepreneurial. We're going to have to be okay with running different propulsion systems so we can find that sweet spot of cost between all electric battery and all electric hydrogen or whatever is the newest, cleanest fuel coming out. Because believe me, there are scientists working on the next generation of clean fuels. And as fleet providers, we need to be in those conversations so that we understand how to use them and get the biggest benefit from them. Very good. Thank you, Lawrence Skyver, for giving us a view of, and a passionate view, of making sure that our transit systems are prepared for the future by using these alternate fuels. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to the third part of our special innovation episode of Transit Unplugged for the first quarter of 2020. Today, I'm delighted to be with Gary Thomas, CEO of Dallas Dart System. Gary, thanks for being with us. 
Oh, it's good to be here, Paul. Thank you. So on our first two parts of this episode, we've talked to Ryan Popple, head of uh, Proterra, who's talked to us about electric buses for alternative fuels. And we've also talked to Lauren Skyver, CEO of Sunline Transit in Coachella Valley, California, about mostly about her uh, push toward hydrogen fuel, but also electric and CNG. And Gary, uh, head of DART, one of the biggest transit systems in America, what kind of fuel do you use, Gary? Paul, we use CNG in our, our bus fleet. We actually transitioned to CNG from diesel about uh, seven years ago now when we started the new fleet, uh, then Navi, now New Flyer. And uh, it's it's been great. It, uh, we actually ran diesel and LNG, liquefied natural gas. Prior to that, we had about 180 LNG buses, and then the balance of our 700 bus fleet was uh, uh, diesel. And then we transitioned the entire fleet to CNG. So we, the, the natural gas component wasn't completely new to us. Okay. Uh, so we had a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, technology, a lot of the experience in dealing with natural gas. It was in liquid form, right. though, so it was very cold, and okay. uh, as opposed to compressed. And so it it, it was still a transition. It was still uh, a lot of training, a lot of uh, work to make that transition. But it wasn't totally foreign. It wasn't brand new. So now we have uh, a little over 700 buses. Uh, Most every one of them are CNG with the exception of, of, I think we have three three diesel buses out of the entire fleet and seven electric buses in the entire fleet. And why did you make that decision? What was the rationale for moving, you know, from what you did have to this other fuel, CNG? To CNG? So there's a story there. Okay. About seven years ago or so, you may may not remember, but if we go back a couple of years before that, maybe three years before that, we're actually going through our bus procurement system then. So maybe 10, 11 years ago, at that moment in time, diesel was actually pretty cheap, and CNG price, natural gas prices were actually up. Okay. And you know, we went through and we looked at the clean diesel uh, e- exhaust emissions, all of the uh, emissions data. And we looked at that for diesel. We looked at it for for natural gas, and certainly natural gas was a little bit better. But as everybody will tell you, you still don't breathe the exhaust fumes out of a natural gas bus either, because okay. uh, it'll kill you. Maybe not quite as quick, but it's still going to go. Okay. And so the uh, so we're going down this path, and we said, well, diesel actually is a lot, cap from a capital perspective, a lot less expensive. We spend a lot more on uh, the uh, the natural gas buses on a capital perspective. And so we were kind of headed down the uh, diesel perspective, and the mayor at the time literally lived next door to T. Boone Pickens. Ah. And and uh, I think Mr. Pickens had, uh, you know, when he's going out and getting the newspaper in the morning, of course, he just passed away. Great, a great uh, man for our, yeah. our region and great our country. Yeah. And um, I think he might have had some input in the mayor's ear on natural gas versus okay. diesel. And so the mayor had some uh, input into that decision-making process. Our board pulled back from that decision. Okay. It took us about three years, and of course, the increased maintenance costs as we went through that, because our buses were already at the 12-year time, so uh, it extended them another three years up to 15 years. Oh, really? But in the meantime, yeah. what happened is diesel prices went up, natural gas prices came down, and we looked like rock stars when we finally transitioned to CNG buses because the save the fuel savings oh, yeah. way more than offset the capital costs. Okay, the uh, timing was perfect. The huh? timing was perfect. Yeah. So from an agency perspective, we were saving in the order of ten million dollars a year. 
Wow. That's big. And, and my, my CFO might say, well, Gary, it wasn't quite that much. But, but, yeah, yeah. But, Mine again, Dave. But, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Right. But it saved us a lot of money. That's awesome. Which allows you, of course, to do other things yeah. uh, within your, your financial plan. Since that time, though, we've been incredibly pleased with c and Transition uh, the, went well. The, the transition went very, very smoothly. Uh, we brought the buses on in phases, but uh, the transition went very smoothly. The CNG buses have performed very, very well. Uh, of course, we've got the Cummins engines and. Okay. Do you have any issues with your mechanics? Are they cool with everything? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they're cool. They made that that transition uh, very easily, very quickly, Good. and they're uh, they're all very comfortable. And with CNG. You have a lot of CNG coming out of Texas anyway, right? I remember being with Paul Ballard a while ago at Fort Worth when he was there, and he said, you know, it's like that's the main fuel down where he's at. Yeah. It's all around us. Yeah, gas everywhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're pumping it out uh, every day all yeah. around us. So. Yeah, so it makes sense, right? It, well, it does. Yeah. And uh, certainly it makes sense from a, a, a local fuel perspective, but it does also make sense from an emissions perspective because the emissions are better than diesel. And, um, and of course, as you look to the future, what's next? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You know, it's, it's, uh, is it hydrogen? Is it electric? Is it something else? Or a combination. Or right? a combination of all of the yeah. above. And, and that's a good point. But what we do know is that whatever it is, we're going to continue to have to have buses and trains, vehicles that can, can provide shared rides for large groups of people. Uh, you and I have talked before about a lot of the transportation choices that our consumers are faced with now. We're trying to decide between whether it's a, a bus, a train, a, a right. personal car, a TNC or a scooter or a bike or whatever it is. And, and as we've, we've talked, what we know is that TNCs and autonomous vehicles, autonomous single occupant vehicles certainly, are not going to solve any congestion problems. And I know a lot of people say, oh, Gary, we don't need transit because the future is going to be autonomous cars. And well, no, that may, that may redefine car ownership, but it's not going to change congestion. And so we really have to continue to focus on those shared ride opportunities. And uh, depending on where you are and you know where folks are coming from and going to, they have to be large shared ride vehicles, right. whether right. it be a train or bus. Now, you know, buses uh, may be autonomous at some point in time, but, but what the fuel is, is something that I think is going to evolve. And, and uh, from an electric standpoint, we've had very good luck with our electric buses. Did you have, what, seven of those? We have seven of those. Mm-hmm. And, the uh, Proterra? There's seven Proterra buses. They've performed very well for us. Uh, they were the first 35-foot buses that Proterra oh, okay. made, so we're excited about that. And they, again, they performed well. Are they on regular routes, or are they on special routes? Or? Well, they're on special routes. We started them on a downtown circulator in Dallas, and after doing that for about a year, year and a half, two years, the, the ridership on that wasn't what we wanted to see. Now, part of the challenge was that route, that route was designed by a committee. Uh, so, you know, it's <laughs> That's one a of, great route. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know how that goes. Yeah. Uh, so you one had of, two bus stops every block? No. <laughs> and, and, it, and it zigzagged across the uh-huh. region to hit all the points, right? Uh, yeah. So we said, let's get rid of that. And we put it on an, a different bus route, but one still that matched up with the capacity uh, 35 of foot, the yeah. 35-foot bus and the fuel capacity. In other words, that bus, uh, your, your charger is static, mm-hmm. and uh, so you don't have the flexibility uh, with that like you would a diesel bus or a CNG bus. Uh, so you have to make sure that that bus is, is circulating 
uh, pass that static charger, which is actually here in the convention center. Just, oh, uh, cool. A block away from us right now. Um, but, uh, uh, and then you have to pay attention to the range of the bus and what that range yeah. is and how it works and all those things. I just interviewed uh, Proterra's top battery guy. Right. And he told me some amazing things, how that these batteries that are being on these electric buses that are on them, uh, they're moving away from cadmium more to nickel base, which right. is easier to get, but also the power that they have in the distance. I think the, the current generation and going forward is gonna have a lot greater distance on the electric buses with a single charge. Yeah, uh, because yeah. the trickling chargers that people have talked about has been, you know, that's infrastructure, et cetera. But uh, I'm excited about that as well. And it sounds like you've got a nice ma- balance. You've got mostly one, but you've got some of the other. And as we talked about, putting all your eggs in one basket, uh, it may be better to have a little diversification. Oh, diversification is always good yeah. in whatever capacity it is. But, uh, but yeah, we really believe that. And we're, we're, we want to make sure, just like when we were running mostly diesel, but we had the LNG buses. Right, there you that go. That really did set us up for that transition to CNG, making it very, very easy. Uh, so as we continue to watch the fuel pipes evolve, mm-hmm. uh, we're paying attention to that. We're trying them out. We're making sure that, that we don't get left behind. And the other challenge, of course, is many of us were buying our buses every 12 years or maybe every 15 years. And so, you know, you have to watch how that cycle of your bus purchase fits within the fuel cycles as well. Yes, thank Um, you. Bet. Very good. Thank you very much, Gary Thomas, CEO of Dart here in Dallas. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. Or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.